Hey, welcome to a new episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP number 114. I'm your host, Dorian, and on today's podcast, we run from ghosts with Mookie Betts in Milwaukee, call the public health police on the Baltimore Orioles sprinklers, and special guest Leah Withrow, head groundskeeper for the Reno Aces, talks about Smalls the Cat and Turf. And first, I'm going to talk to you about what I'm drinking. What I have here in my hand is a beer called Broad Street Brown. It's a brown ale. This is the, this is the type of stuff that puts hairs in your chest. It's from a good American local brewery called Solus Brewing Company in Sterling, Virginia. I do like this name, Broad Street Brown. It sounds like the name of an old English manor. And I think certain people would call, would name their homes. These are the type of people that ask that where you use seasons like a verb. Like, where do you summer? Well, um, we summer at our home on Broad Street, on Broad Street Brown. <laughs> and most of these old places, I don't want to say most, a lot of these old places are known to be haunted, to have ghosts. And that's why I don't go to these old places. I don't go where play, or horrors were, have been occurred as well throughout human history all over the world. But you know what? There's one team in America that doesn't care about ghosts, about hauntings. Maybe not the, maybe not the only one, but let's, at least in this episode, there's only one. The Los Angeles Dodgers. They don't care about any ghosts. They're like the Ghostbusters, but not really. The Dodgers came in to a series against the Milwaukee Brewers at the beginning of the week. They had won eight of their last nine games. And they had a three-game series against Milwaukee, against the Brewers in Milwaukee. And when a team goes to play Milwaukee, most of the Major League Baseball teams stay at this hotel called the Fister Hotel in downtown Milwaukee. The Fister Hotel was built back in 1893. And allegedly... We don't want any lawsuits here because the, the HBP general counsel doesn't want me to get into legal trouble. Allegedly, the Fister Hotel in downtown Milwaukee is haunted. And there was one player on the Dodgers who refused to stay at the Fister Hotel. Mookie Betts. He was like, mm -mm. just in case there's any ghosts, I'm not staying at the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee. He booked himself an Airbnb with a couple of other friends and and stayed there for the three nights as opposed to staying with his with his teammates at the Fister Hotel. I think it's pretty funny. And to celebrate that, to celebrate Mookie Betts helping Airbnb, I guess, I don't know. I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. But Mookie Betts later said that he doesn't totally believe in ghosts. Not to take any chances, he was like, I'm not staying there. So in these two, these three games... The Dodgers ended up winning two of the three games in Milwaukee. So they won the series, but this made me this made me believe that maybe the ghosts were mad at Mookie Betts because in the series, Mookie Betts had 12 at-bats and he only got two hits. Maybe those Fister Hotel ghosts were putting their hand on his bat or putting their hand over Mookie Betts' eye so he couldn't see good pitches because <laughs> he only got two hits, like I said, in, in 12 at-bats. But... The Dodgers didn't need too much of Mookie Betts because, like I said, they won two or three games. And now the Dodgers have won, what, what's their record? Over the last 13 games, the Dodgers have won 11 games and only have lost two. And they are heating up at the right time. The Dodgers are now back in their customary first place in the National League West. 
But let's not make let's not make too much fun of Mookie Betts with his. He's not scared of ghosts. He's just being precautious. If you remember on this podcast back in episode eighty seven, we went over another major league player who also is weary of ghosts. First baseman Yandy Diaz of the Tampa Bay Rays. He actually stayed at the Fister Hotel, but what Yandy Diaz did was apparently the Fister Hotel has a new tower that was built recently. And they say that the new tower isn't haunted. And so I'm guessing whenever the Tampa Bay Rays go up to Milwaukee to play the Brewers, Yandy Diaz, he I'm sure he has it stipulated. I can only stay in the new tower, not in the old tower that was built in 1893. So Yandy Diaz, Mookie Betts, I'd love to learn more about other players who take precautions with ghosts. And actually, I should have gone back and seen what Yandy Diaz's stats were for that series against Milwaukee last year, but I didn't get a chance to do that. But again, I don't think those ghosts are even Brewers fans, because if they did, they would help Milwaukee maybe win a World Series, go go to a World Series. And if you want to help me, you can always go and follow us on Instagram, Hipster Baseball Podcast, and Twitter, HPP4040. I always show what I'm drinking for this week, for every single week of the episode. Once in a while, I'll, I'll put other pictures. I'm not going to blow up your feed. If you want to write a review, give us a, a rating on whatever platform you're listening, do it. And if you don't, no big deal. But you know what was a big deal? Just a few days ago, I managed to, I found myself in an area and I got a ticket and I went to go watch the Tampa Bay Rays playing in Baltimore against the Orioles. This was back on Wednesday, the 10th of May. The Rays right now, as we know, still in first place in the American League East Division. The Baltimore Orioles are in second place. They're just three and a half games behind Tampa Bay. The game that I went to, the Orioles won two to one. And in those three games that Tampa played Baltimore, each team only scored six runs over three games. That's how close it was. Baltimore Baltimore ended up winning the series two games to one. But the Orioles and the Rays each scored only six runs throughout those three games. I think we're going to see more of that throughout the season, especially when these two teams play back in Tampa. And I was wearing my Tampa hat because the Rays are my second favorite team. And going around the stadium, there were a lot more Rays fans than I expected. I frankly didn't expect any Rays fans. I think the last time I went to a Rays game not in Tampa was in New York when Tanaka, the Yankees pitcher, was pitching. And I genuinely think I ran into three other race fans that year, that 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 game. I think it was like five years ago. I was really surprised. They were, the the race fans were making a lot of noise. I'm not saying that they were like forty or fifty percent of the of the stadium was race fans because that's not true. But my expectations were so low that it seemed like there was a lot more because they were making a lot of noise. But the sad thing is that there wasn't too much to cheer about because there was a complete power outage from the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays lead the Major League Baseball in home runs. They have hit 79 home runs. In second place, well behind, is the Los Angeles Dodgers. As a team, the Dodgers have hit 66 home runs. That's a 13 home run difference. That's that's a good week, I think, of, of, of home runs. I'm really liking these baby birds. They have so much energy. They ooze charisma. Their chemistry is undeniable. But what I've seen, I think I saw a couple of games when they played Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves two weeks ago. I saw this game a few days ago when they played when they hosted Tampa. The Orioles get men on base, 
but the Orioles leave a lot of men on base. And I think that come playoff time, if the Orioles manage to get in through the, the, through the wild card, that may haunt them. I think Baltimore needs a big bat. But I don't think that Baltimore is going to trade or sign a big bat right now because the ownership issue with the Angelo family. They're all suing each other. Mom is suing son, one of the sons. One of the other sons is suing the other son. It's an absolute family feud mess. It's an absolute mess. And Peter Angelo, who's the who is really the owner, but he's like 93 years old and he's not running the team. And they're all sadly like kind of waiting for him to pass because my speculation is the Angelos don't want to sign a big ticket player and then leave that to the new owner. They would probably want to make the Orioles as cheaply run as possible to be as most attractive to a new owner. And let the owner do whatever the heck he or she wants. The new owner, whoever that person is going to be in the next, I don't know, two, year, two, two, three years from now. So that's sad because the Orioles should strike now. They have a really fun team. And that trickles down to what I keep seeing over the past two weeks. Yeah, they, it may be small sample size, but they just don't have the major home run hitter. And I think that's what the only thing that's separating Baltimore from going to a potentially elite well, that's not the only thing. They do need more starting pitchers. But what they don't need, the Orioles bullpen. Oh, my God. It is. It, the Orioles bullpen is sick. The Orioles bullpen is phenomenal. The Orioles bullpen is amazing. They are lights out. They've really surprised me. What surprised me even more than the awesome Orioles bullpen is how disgusting the, or- the Orioles celebrate. I was telling you about the chemistry earlier. When a, when a Baltimore Oriole hits a double, the guys in the dugout, what they do is they, they put water in their mouth and then they like spit it out, but not all at once, but like look, make it look like an arc, like a water arc. And so you see a, like four or five guys on the railing of the dugout and they, they make it look like sprinklers. And that's what they call them, like the sprinkler celebration. So again, anytime a Baltimore Oriole hits a double, they'll do the sprinkler. And that is so, Gross. And it made me think back to the COVID year of 20, the COVID season of 2020, when Major League Baseball banned spitting, chewing, like all this other stuff. And now here we are three years later, and these guys are just spitting things out, got, going God knows where. And I, I, I just find that disgusting. I'm like, why can't you guys come up with a different celebration? I'm, I'm all for having fun. But if you guys don't stop that nasty sprinkler stuff, I'm calling the health department police, okay? You're going to jail, Baltimore Orioles. I'm joking. I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. I think I'm being mean-spirited because I haven't had, I haven't had enough drinks. That's, that's what it is. And you know, the beautiful thing now that the weather's getting nicer, we're starting to travel more. It's going to be Mother's Day. It's going to be Father's Day. It's going to be International Friend Day. It's going to be this, that, and the other. Sometimes we can't get out to see our friends and loved one. And this is where this week's show sponsor comes in. U.S. Sprint, you're a thousand miles apart, and yet I can still hear your heart. And I know you're not so far away from me. You may be half a world away, but I'm hearing every single word you say. It's as if you've been singing from right next door. It sounds the way it should be, so close that I can almost see you. Your voice comes smiling back at me. It sounds like you're right next door. All this is made possible 
by the magic of fiber optics, which makes people sound so near you'd swear you weren't talking long distance. Call now and find out about the long distance company with more fiber than anyone else. U.S. Sprint. It sounds like you're right next door. Thank you, U.S. Sprint, for making this week's episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast possible. Thank you for allowing me to hold this delicious American beer. And I think it was through U.S. Sprint that we talked to this week's special guest. This week's special guest is Leah Withrow, who is the head groundskeeper for the AAA minor league team, the Reno Aces. Leah, welcome to Hipster Baseball Podcast. Thanks for having me. I want to start off with a question. In my backyard, my grass has, I believe, alopecia. Does the same thing happen to baseball stadiums? Mm, sometimes if there's a concert or a motorcycle rally or a monster trucks, damage can happen, but not a whole lot happening on our on our fields. How in the world do you manage to keep the, the, the grass is beautiful like at any professional sport, whether it's football, baseball, soccer. How much work does it take to – because I, when I have to cut the grass, it's arduous. I reward myself at the end of the, at the end after I cut the grass for like an hour and a half with a beer. But you guys do this full-time. What's the process of maintaining a professional baseball field? Um, there's a lot of layers to it. It's very behind the scenes, obviously, and like we're gonna finally we're gonna pull back the curtain here, um, kind of show, I guess, an average baseball fan what what it would take. There's a huge science aspect of it. I would say fifty percent of my job is science based information that I have to use every day to keep the field manicured the way it is, because we are on fully natural surface. There's no synthetic. A fertility plan is super crucial. There's also all kinds of pests that come in because we don't have a roof and we have foreign people coming in and out of onto the field. So um, weed seeds get dropped and tracked. Um, we get insect issues. We are right along the river here in Reno. So we have squirrels and geese and skunks and all kinds of other wildlife that like to eat the grass. So there's a pest management aspect to it. There's a biology aspect of it. There's a chemistry aspect of it. And then obviously you guys get to see the art aspect of it and getting to see the beautiful designs and the aesthetics that um, kind of are the frosting to the cake. And what I went to school for was to learn how to bake the cake and then make it pretty afterwards. <laughs> one of the one of your team members, like you said, has to do you guys have to do rodent control, almost like pest control. And obviously making it, keeping away intruders, so to speak. One of your staff members is called Smalls the Cat. Tell yes, us about she, Smalls the Cat. Smalls um, was a stray cat who, again, probably came from the river. Um, there's lots of homeless camps along the river. I'm sure she was a pet to one at some point. Um, she was super small. She was probably only six months and she wandered into our grounds crew shop and scared the living daylights out of me because I thought I thought it was a skunk because it was much larger than like a mouse noise. And I was like, I just don't. I found that one cup of coffee was like 9 a.m. on Monday. I was like, I can't do this right now. And turns out it was this small, scared little kitten. And I'm a sucker for animals. So I went to Walmart and bought her food. And once you buy them food, they don't leave. So um, I got her chipped and vaccinated and she just kind of lives her best stray cat life at the field, gets to hang out in the shop and gets fed and loves attention for being a quote unquote feral cat. She loves people. And 
Um, she's our pest control for at least the shop. I have not seen a mouse in this shop and we used to have a really bad mouse problem in here. So our, our garage area where we store all of our equipment is pristine. Well, I hope everyone else isn't jealous of Smalls the Cat as she's, she, it sounds like she should be the employee of the month every month for to keeping on top of her, of her she metrics. Is, Make sure there's no mouses done. Fantastic job. She is on the company <laughs> website. Um, I know I saw official. her there. <laughs> she's official. And when we think of Nevada, we think of the desert. And I think you had mentioned something about wheat seeds being uh, tossed in, inadvertently tossed in the playing field. And I think a lot of the grass, when we think of uh, whether it's like some old wild, you know, old, well, a Wild West movie, what is it, uh, like Indian rice grass or wheat grass, if Nevada is, well, no, not Nevada is a desert, but if that's our perception of it, how in the world do you have such beautiful grass specifically at the baseball stadium? It doesn't seem like it's naturally, it's a natural species in Nevada. So, it, I mean, we live very differently than most of the most of the state because we are at elevation so we're about 30 minutes from uh, lake tahoe and we're at about 4500 feet above sea level so um unlike most deserts that are at sea level or are only a little higher um we see quite a bit of a temperature drop compared to the rest of the state so we might get into hundreds like once a for a week in the summer but for the most part we stay in the 90s and then because we are at elevation, our temperature dips at night and that's what gives the grass the recovery time it needs because the grass does all of its growing during the day and it, it it's exhausted from using all that sunlight to convert it into energy and then getting worn and torn from a baseball game. So at night is its recovery time, just the same as you and me need to go to bed and let all of our, our body reset itself, the grass needs that as well. When you're at high temperatures at night, sometimes that can stress grass out. So thankfully, because we are at that elevation, our temperature dip into like the fifties at night is where it thrives. So we do really well here um, in our little, in our little bubble of the desert or high mountain desert. I'd never thought about that. That's really interesting. How again, it's a, it's a, it's a living organism grass and, I, I just never thought of it being exhausted. As you said, I just thought that grass was like just churning 24 hours a day because obviously in the summer when depending where you live, there's a lot of rain, there's a lot of sun. I mean, that's those suckers are growing like, uh, like crazy. We do use uh, what's called like a plant growth regulator uh, just to keep it from growing so much. Cause we'd be mowing, I mean, bales and bales of hay almost uh, sometimes during the summer. So we use something just to try to control the rate of growth because sometimes it is unmanageable during a baseball season. We do mow every single day uh, when the team's in town because it needs to be at that pristine cut, that nice level that all the players are expecting. When the team's out of town, uh, like this week, we would mow about every other every two days and just let it grow and do its thing, kind of grow into those wear spots, let it grow out of any damage, all that kind of stuff. You're originally from... From the from the Reno area, and you like you had said you went to you went to college to study, as you said, uh, ba the baking ba the baking of grass. I think you had you mentioned it. How was it going from going from the Nevada Reno area, going up to North Dakota State, and then basically coming back? How is that a, is that a blessing that you're able to come back and live relatively close to I guess where you're originally from, and to do an, an awesome. A really cool job, I think, to basically maintain the playing field of professional baseball players. Yeah, I 
I knew I grew up in a small town uh, south of Reno and I knew I needed to go. There was other things outside of my little tiny town of 5,000 people, 4,000 people. So I was like, I needed to go see and do something else. Um, North Dakota. I don't, (laughs) that was the best option I had, I guess, to go see the quote unquote world. Um, So I went to the tundra and I, I honestly enjoyed it. I love the people in the Midwest. They're just a different breed. That's just, life is so simple up there. They're so kind. Like I truly enjoyed my time in in North Dakota, but I enjoy 30 above winters way more than 30 below winters. And so I needed to go further South and, um, it worked out great to be able to come back home and, and be close to family and be close to friends and, uh, still get all four seasons. Like I still love to ski. I'm a big skier. So close to growing up next to Tahoe. That was one of my favorite things. So getting to enjoy winter instead of just hide for six months has been much nicer. <laughs> Now you're making me curious about actually studying grass is when we imagine when when we think back into high school in chemistry class, we had to wear the goggles. We were putting potions and lotions in little tubes. We went to biology class. We were using microscopes to see one and two cell organisms do their wild thing. What do you do when you're actually studying at the college level like grass? Do you just go to the quad and pick grass out by the chunk and you know use the grass like a, a toothpick? Like how? how how do you study that? I, I, I'm trying to imagine the, the uh, hands-on experience. We're not hanging out in the quad, <laughs> that's for sure. It's a little cold for that up there, but we did have many greenhouses. Um, it's a big agricultural college just because there's so much farmland up in North Dakota. So um, there's a lot of greenhouses and a lot of uh, horticulture plant studies. Um, I minored in crop science just because there was so much overlap in our in our classes. I only had to take one extra class to get the minor, and I said, why not? Um so we did uh, spend a lot of time. So every class I had is there was a lecture in a lab when it came to turf stuff. So, uh, or field stuff. So every time I, uh, had a turf management 101 where you would sit in class and you'd learn the height of cut for each type of grass and being able to identify 30 different grasses and being able to identify all these weeds and pests and things. And, um, then there was a lab that, countered it so that you could be hands-on identifying those things, not just looking at pictures on slides, which was super nice. It was a very hands-on program. It is crazy when I would be like, you'd be sitting in your normal general freshman English class and they make you go around the room and where are you from? What's your major? And I have to say my major and everyone's like, is that a thing? I didn't know that people went to this school for that. I didn't no, even know there was a major for that. No one thought that you were trying to jo- trying to make a marijuana joke. Yeah, every. I mean, we as field managers use turf synonymously with grass. Um, I know most of the general public assumes turf is just artificial turf. Right. Um. So we use turf to to talk both. Um. So when I'm saying turf management is my degree, it actually means both synthetic and natural turf. So we just, our slang, I guess, for turf would just be a natural turf or a synthetic turf. Both both are grass. I don't know. Where does this love of wanting to grow up and be a field, I don't don't know the correct terminology, but obviously you're a groundskeeper, you're the head groundskeeper now, but the the love of grass to be like, I want to study it. It's like running through the field barefoot, going down the hills and, and and tumbling down like little kids do? No, I mean, most people like think there was like a magic moment and it was more like I 
was a senior in high school who didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, like most seniors in high school that are like, I'm 18. I just am able to vote and like not raise my hand to go to the bathroom. And you expect me to pick what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life right now. I'm like, okay. Um, I did know, like, I love sports. I grew up playing soccer. I love being active. Like I was a part of multiple sports. I love being outside, like growing up in Tahoe, like we hiked, camped, fished, biked, skied, like being outdoors was my whole life. So I knew I wanted like a hands-on outdoorsy job. I just didn't know where that was going to fall. And when I toured North Dakota state as a junior in high school, um, I kind of just saw that as a major option. And I was like, that's kind of interesting and met with their department head and he's super nice guy ends up being my advisor and kind of explains all the avenues you can go. And like, you can be a golf course superintendent. You can be a field manager at any professional sport, NFL, MLB, MLS, collegiately, you can do it. You can do turf research, like working for Syngenta or Bayer, or like those big programs, trying to find new genetic grasses for those weird areas that it's like a little too hot to grow one grass, but it's a little too cold to grow the other and things like that. And uh, park and rec. And there's so many different avenues that I, when you read that title as a major, like you don't think about all of those things. So it's like, okay, my wheel started getting turning and I, I've decided to just take the leap of faith that that was something I would be really good at. I was always good at biology in school. So it's a decent at chemistry, good at math. I like being outside. I like sports. I was like, it was all the things I was good at. Let's try it. But those are all the subjects I was bad in. And that's why I'm here uh, sitting on an overturned bucket in the janitor's closet doing a podcast. <laughs> but but okay. the more I think about it, you're absolutely right. You are a chef. You are a star baker that we would watch on Food Network because every single day you have customers coming through, customers being the Reno Aces or whoever their opponent is. You coming into the restaurant, your restaurant is the field. They partake, they enjoy it. They leave it a mess and you have to do it all over again. And every day you're being reviewed. That's, I love the analogy you made there. Continuing on the, the creation that you and your team have to do every single day. What's obviously you have these athletes out in the outfield weighing 200 pounds. They're wearing cleats. They're ripping up the turf sometimes. But beyond that, what's like a pet peeve of, of like a ground, a head groundskeeper like yourself what players or someone else does you're like don't do that that's not good for the grass like something out, so no, outside of normal so many. How much baseball. Time do we have? give me so give many. me two give me two of your biggest pet peeves of what people do with their, with their grass uh, in the outfield my biggest number one is like short stops and second baseman that stand on the back arc like on the edge of the grass right now at least at, at the triple a level i think in all of minor league. I'm not sure major league, um, but all four infielders have to have both feet on the dirt when the pitcher sets. Um, and then they can move back if they need to. But um, that's a huge groundskeeper rule. Love that rule. Um, because my back arc, our shortstop just absolutely destroys that back arc area. And like, I get, he's trying to set himself up to be able to feel the ball correctly. I understand he's trying to do his job the best he can, but the edges of the field are the hardest to grow. Like it's so hard to grow that perfect edge. And when you're standing on it all the time, I can't grow it. That's number one. 
and pitchers that walk off the mound to catch the ball. Because I'm like, you trust your catcher to throw a guy out at second, but you don't trust him to throw the ball back to you on the mound. Just stay on the mound. You don't have to walk to him because the front of the mound, you always see like where in front of the mound. It's yeah. just a nervous tick that they do. But I'm like, stop. Speaking of the pitcher's mound, I actually was watching a Reno Aces game because they showed it on like MILB.TV, I don't know, four or five days ago. And I, I and it was just pure coincidence. Like, oh, my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you in a few days. But speaking of the pitcher's mound, you know the back part of the pitcher's mound where they keep that the that mat to help the pitchers clean their cleats off. Yeah, cleat cleaner. Is there is there is there a way that we could maybe build like a hatchet back there? Because like if the pitcher's getting bombed and they don't want to walk all the way back to the dugout, maybe they just like come out like a submarine, <laughs> like goodbye everybody. I just had the worst. Or maybe if the pitcher can like if the pitchers leave like kind of like a uh, like a pouch back there, maybe like for some gum. Sun, sun, uh, you know, some raisins. Has anyone ever thought about that? Well, before the pitch clock, that would have worked. Now he only has 19 seconds to figure it out. So he doesn't have time to eat raisins. (laughs) All right, whatever. Scratch, scratch my idea because that was, uh, I I was thinking about that. Like, I almost see it as like underutilized space, the back of the pitcher's mound, because that's hardly ever. Yeah. My assistant has taken it upon himself to make that his, his canvas. We do a lot of different cool logo designs for like special event nights or um, just our basic aces. A we'll we'll fancy up sometimes, and it makes it a little bit less weird just to have that back spot so plain. Um, I know a lot of major league teams sell it as like ad space. We can't at the minor league level, so my assistant is way more artistic than I ever will be, and I just let him use it as this little coloring book. <laughs> All right, here's my last suggestion for the back of the pitcher's mound. Build a hatch and have Smalls the Cat come out in the middle of the fourth inning. And the the the, the game is if one contestant from the, the stadium manages to catch a Smalls, they win season tickets for the rest of the season. Because you know they're not going to be able to catch Smalls the Cat. No, but then it's very I entertaining. have to try to chase her down to get her back in there. <laughs> That's true, man. I man, I thought I thought that these were good ideas, but yeah, they may be funny in my mind, but not funny. Not I want to be on ESPN, but I don't want to be on ESPN for having a cat run across the field. That's my worst nightmare. That would be pretty cool to be, yeah, to be on ESPN for for some reason, but not you, that one. You said that you loved. Obviously, you 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 told us that you were you were a big outdoors, yeah, because you live in Lake Tahoe, and but where originally does your baseball fandom or your interest in baseball come from? I honestly don't know. Uh, We watched sports all growing up. My dad always had some game on of some kind in our house. So depending on what season it was, we were always watching some sport. I know my my neighbor when I was really young, she was a huge Boston Red Sox fan. She was an older lady, retired couple that lived next door to my parents. And when my mom just needed to run to the grocery store real quick without kids, she'd just drop us off next door. And we'd sit and watch the Boston Red Sox game. And I used to think like, I mean, I thought it was cool as like a five-year-old, but like as a five-year-old, you're like, I want to watch Teletubbies. I want to watch baseball. But like she made us sit there and watch it. And I guess it just like subconsciously was ingrained in me. Um, I just, I think from a field manager perspective, because like as I was going through school, I wasn't fully set on baseball. I was like, I was working at the university. So I was working for North Dakota State Athletics. 
And I was working on soccer and football and practice football and baseball and softball and track and field. So I got to like work on all the different fields, which was awesome learning experience just to see what I liked and what I didn't like. And I just liked the way all the surfaces have to work together in baseball. It's so much more than like soccer or football where it's just like it's grass. Yeah, there's a lot of painting and other stuff involved. Trust me, I have no jealousy on my NFL counterparts because I know the work that they put in. But I love how the warning track is a different material than the sideline grass. That has to be a different material than the baseline. That's a different material than the pitcher's mound. So like there's so many different parts to a baseball field that all have to synchronize together to play perfectly. And like, I love the science behind that. I love the artistic behind that. I love like the challenge of making them all have to work together. Hence why I was a little late today, uh, getting those edges, right. We don't have bad hops around here. It's not allowed. It is very artistic, as you said, just because of the amount of of variety that that you work with it, as you said, working for the triple a Reno aces, all the players on, on Reno Aces on the, on the team and as well as the visiting team, they are theoretically one step away from the majors. And Reno Aces, the Reno Aces being part of the Arizona Diamondbacks minor leagues system, which is a very strong, you've seen really good players go through and they are a couple of really good players that are eventually going to go play for the Reno Aces in probably about a year or so. Are you even able to enjoy the game or you or you guys are just have to be so locked into potential issues with the grass? and not being able to enjoy these really talented young future Arizona Diamondbacks. Groundskeepers watch game baseball games differently than every other fan, whether it's my field or just like watching an MLB game on TV. Like I was just walking through the front office to grab my mail and um, they had a Mariners game up or something. And you could tell they had just had a concert because there was like fading along like the back arc by third base where like a stage would have been. And I was like, oh, they must have just had an event or something. There's flooring right here. And all of our ticket sales, people are like, look, squinting at the TV like, oh, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, only like a groundskeeper. That's the first thing I'm watching. I don't even look at the score. That's like, really I'm, cool. looking I'm gonna look for that field looks. Like, I watch it a little bit differently. I will say, like, we do get invested in certain guys here, getting to see them grow or like knowing their ex prospect or number three, number 13, number whoever. And getting to see them grow or like see guys that come down to rehab and like you really do form of a relationship with them because we are coworkers that share an office, unlike the rest of the front office or people that do work in sports like we are more we intimately share this field together like we have to work one hand in hand one on one to make their job as easy as possible to get their them to where they need to be and like I need them to give me feedback so that I can do my job properly and it's a very uh relationship so there are certain guys that you you really love to cheer for and you love watching them play and you love watching the game and I will say 75 home games is a lot sometimes to sit and watch but I'd say I have the best office in the world because I just get to sit and watch baseball for a living that is very cool and Again, I, I feel like I'm sitting in a biology class coupled with a baking class because that's very symbiotic, as you were saying. Like you, the work that you do provides a higher platform for the players, and they are able to let you know, as you said, what works best for them. Yeah. Every and, player likes a different flavor cake too. So <laughs> that that makes it a little difficult because you can only bake one cake. 
you got to keep your Travelocity reviews up high. You got to, you know, you got to keep the 4.5, five stars. I know, I'm trying. Keeping in the minor league system, obviously, is let's say that for one day, we're going to take you away from the Reno Aces as a head groundskeeper and make you the czar, or in this case, you would be the czarzinha of all of minor league baseball. What's one or two things that you would like to see implemented in the minor league, whether it's the game, the way it's run, the way the, the fields are maintained, anything you want. One or two things if you were the Zarzinha of minor league baseball. I think uh, the one thing that we can um, really pull back on is like, this is just the angsty groundskeeper in me is like the in-between inning games that they do on the field. And I know that they have sponsors that pay smalls for that, the that cat. do With musical smalls chairs and like do the sausage race and do whatever. But like, can we not? You're in my way. This is obnoxious. You're on my field. Get off the grass. Like that stuff is like stupid, petty groundskeeper in me. But I'm like, I know the fans love it, but I hate it. <laughs> you can only watch the race and aces so many times. Is, is there anything else that you would potentially improve i don't want to use the word change but improve. i would say i would implement a stay on our schedule like a permanent structure of our schedule staying the way it is because um because of covid we had to limit travel um the guys couldn't just travel for three days and and come back and go and come so uh minor league baseball now runs on a six games on seven days off system so they're home for six, they're gone for six, and Monday's a universal off day. So guaranteed players, staff, whoever gets Monday's off, which is fantastic. I love that. And they're, they're here for six. Now a six-game homestand can be long, but then they're gone for six, which is great. Gives me all the time I need to reprep the field, get my fertilizer out, put in the new pattern. They can host, they host their special events or whatever on the weekends or do whatever, but I, it gives me the the time I need to do what I need to do and put out a better product because of it. So like I would put a permanent stay on the way that our schedule is structured. It's the guys love it. It's way less travel for them. I love it. I get way more done. We get a universal off day. Everybody wins I, and no one wants to work on a Monday anyway. <laughs> That's true. You know, with all the changes that, that, that started with the minor league, who knows if baseball will do, will go through the same thing. Although, yeah, who knows? I don't know. But that's that's a good point. Of, it made way more sense. It's way easier on everybody. I mean, big fan. Less carbon, less carbon emissions with uh, the, the jets and everything. That too. I've really enjoyed this conversation because every time you talk, something cur- a curiosity pops into my mind. The Reno Aces, the stadium is, o- is open air. But if it was enclosed, and there are a handful of Major League Baseball teams that have enclosed stadiums, would that change maintaining the field that much it can i do know um i am friends with a few of the head groundskeepers and i did a a internship for the brewers for a summer as well and they have a retractable roof um i also know arizona has a retractable roof now that they have synthetic it's not as big of a deal but um i know a lot of those guys had a lot of shade line issues so there's more shade on the field than sun a lot of the time so they had to purchase grow lights. So they have these huge structures that have to be hauled in on tractors um, that are grow lights basically. And they, they 
sit in for the sun, I guess, in the areas where the roof kind of overshades and they don't get as much sun during the day. There's like peak summer, I think in Milwaukee, we would only get like two to three hours of full sunlight where the whole field got sun, which isn't a lot for the grass. So you have to kind of make up for those losses with something else. I love the retractable roof because when it rained, I didn't have to pull tarp. So not mad about it at all. But there are some things you do have to implement to be able to balance out the shade issue with the roofs. That's something I hadn't thought of until a few moments ago when I was talking to you. I think wondering how the the groundskeepers over at, like I said, the indoor stadiums maintain their their turf. Here's my last turf question. Is your turf at your house absolutely immaculate? Um, I live in an apartment, but so the answer is yes, I, because the answer yes. is not no. No, um, I will say uh, during COVID, I did like build a really nice garden on my balcony in my apartment because I love garden. I love plants. Like my, I have a minor in horticulture as well, so like I learned how to grow all the all the things. And um, when I came back to work in twenty one for that first season as a head groundskeeper, I just did not have time to maintain it, and it all died. So I just brought it to the field the evil and I replanted irony, everything. And so irony. now I have a garden at the field because I'm here more than I'm at home. So it actually gets taken care of. That is funny. I, I wouldn't have thought that, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's only so much you can do. It's just like the chef going home. Like last thing you want to do is cook. It's like they'll have like their partner cook or just yeah. order something, order out. I enjoy looking at other people's yards. Like if I'm going on the walk with the dog or whatever, but I, uh, I'm good with just my two and a half acre lawn out back here. Uh, it's more than enough for me. Hey, here's my last cat question. I'm a big fan of cats. Where does Smalls live? Does, does, does she have a a little shed, a little house, or she just like sleep, sleeps in the bleachers or what? Um, no, she stays. So inside of our, our grounds crew area in our garage where we park every all of our equipment where my office is and stuff. Um, she pretty much is sequestered here is where she sleeps at night. We lock her in just because... We do have critters that like to come in and eat the cat food. So she gets locked in at night, but um, she's got a bed above the fridge in the break room. She's got a bed on the shelf above all of our paint. She's got a bed in my office. She's got plenty of beds. She prefers to sleep on my keyboard, but. Why would she ever quit that job? Because I mean, she, you, know, you, you, you she guys are giving her. Leave. She literally lives employee. the best life possible. All she just perks. comes and goes during the day. She, I don't know what she does during the day. She goes and wanders around the ballpark and does whatever she does, but she always comes back when she's yeah. called and she gets her food at night and she's happy as could be. She gets all the attention from everybody. Our bullpen guys have to use our bathroom during a game. Um, there's no bathroom in our bullpen. So um, they come in and they see the cat and they get all excited. And so she gets, she lives literally the she won the straight cat lottery for yeah. sure. That's, that's I love hearing that out. If, if I make it out to Reno, I'd love to go uh to 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 see a game and also scratch give some head scratches. So you're always welcome. Small. And she would love it. <laughs> we keep talking about food, baking, chefs. I love highlighting, especially if like like you said, like I love traveling as well to, for baseball games. If someone were to make it out to Reno, what's a good local place that you like, whether it's good cup of coffee, the food, place for a drink. What's a good local place that you like? One or two places that you enjoy in the the Reno area if someone were to go out there and see an Aces game? I would say two places. Two of my like most favorite places would be for breakfast, brunch or lunch, um, two chicks 
is a it's phenomenal it's unreal it's they got the best breakfast in town for sure and great brunch great mimosas would recommend if you're that person i am that person it's uh, got kind of a hispanic twist and it's all very natural and organic foods and it's super good um and then for happy hour and dinner there's a bar in the parking garage caddy corner to the stadium um it's called mellow fellow that's kind of our local watering hole has because it's literally on the way across from the stadium to go get your car like it's hard to not stop at the bar and get a drink after work and bartending staff's great and their food is really good their dinner their burgers and sandwiches are so freaking good i'll go back and write those down leah withrow i want to thank you for joining us i want to remind everyone you are the head groundkeeper and i believe one of one of very few female head groundskeepers in all of professional baseball so congratulations on that i didn't want to skip over that if you want to take us away and let us know where they can see some of your work, either in person at the stadium, follow uh, the social medias, whatever you'd like. Yes, please come to Arena Oasis game and see it in person. That's obviously the best way to, to see it. I would say if you are really interested in like groundskeeping things and like weird niche world that is groundskeeping, um, t- my Twitter is the place to be. Groundskeeping Twitter is a whole weird wormhole if you want to go down. Um, and it's at Leah Lou, L-E-A-H-L-O-U-2, the number two, um, that I just, I tweet about our field as well as like seeing other people's fields, um, the late debate about artificial versus grass and the NFL, all that stuff. If, if you're into that, otherwise just fun, like mowing videos, um, are on my TikTok. <laughs> I love a good video of me mowing transition to the pattern i mean what more do you want and that's also at leah lou but 775 because leah lou 2 was taken so if leah leah lou 2 on tiktok wants to give me her name that'd be great i want to thank leah for joining us this week i also want to thank our loyal listeners from every week and welcome in some new listeners from tashkent uzbekistan i've always you know no joke, I've always wanted to go to Uzbekistan. I've heard it's phenomenal, even though it's on the other side of the world. But before I go, I probably have to use U.S. Sprint to call someone there to be a tour guide for me. Then, I want to thank someone from Oviedo, Spain, Statesboro, Georgia, Caddy, Texas, some town called Canton. I don't know if it's in Michigan. I don't know if it's Ohio. I don't know if it's in Georgia, but thank you. Burlingame, California, Boonville, Mississippi, a town from called Maywood, I don't know if it's California, maybe it's in New Jersey. And I also want to thank someone from the country, Benin. No idea where it is. Again, I would remind you people, I don't know who you are. I only know where you're listening from. Let's get together next week for a brand new episode of HBP Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye. Bye.